Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I laughed as I threw a rock at Jonas, and he ducked as it bounced off the side of the cliff and several more times off the narrow gorge, until it landed far below with a splash. Of course he called me out for it, told me I can't aim for crap, and that his four-year-old sister, Mary, threw better than me. I laughed it off because we'd been friends for years, and it's not like he means his insults. Just like, I didn't mean to hit him. Just give him a little scare, you know? I put my hand to my chest in mock offense as I slowly made my way closer, keeping an eye on the edge. Sure, there was a handrail along the side of the path before the sheer drop-off to the waters, but it was patched with rust and looked as tired as I felt after my final exams. Jonas had been ready to sleep all day, too until I dragged him here. He bitched and moaned, but he realized I wasn't giving up after I prodded him with my foot and threw a beer can at him. I had to get outdoors, and most importantly, I had to get away from campus. Besides, the mountains were just calling me. I mean, was this place well-maintained? You know, the park, I mean. God, no. The local budget was bad. But that's part of why I wanted to come here. You see, few people did anymore, preferring the newer, better-kept hiking trails in the other parks. There wasn't even a ranger station here, and there was barely a bathroom. Jonas rolled his eyes at me, adjusted his backpack, turned around, and screamed. He was taller than me, and up further along on the trail, so I couldn't see what had made him jump. I mean, sure, he was loud, but this was a different kind of yell, and the hairs of my arms were on end. He breathed with a strangled, what the hell? And I could only catch the words because I was within a few feet of him now. I could see the sweat on his skin, despite the autumn temperatures. Hey, what's wrong? I asked him, trying to sound casual, but I won't lie, I was pretty on edge. And wordlessly, he stepped to the side. The trail was wider there, but there wasn't any more room to pass. It was because someone was already standing on the part of it. Not someone, but something. It was a statue. Not like any statue I'd ever seen in pictures, or in a park or anything. It was once both rougher and more detailed than anything I'd ever seen before. It looked like it had been directly carved out of gray tanned stone, scraped even, with score marks and gouges like some animal had been clawing at it. But the face, you see, the face is what got me. It was almost as detailed as mine or Jonas's. Leaning in, 
I could see tiny holes that looked like pores, lines on the outstretched hands, marks that might have been acne or even scars. Even individual hair strands could be seen, and the person was wearing some sort of clothes. They were ragged, practically tattered from what I could tell between the cuts and cracks in the body. There was something around the statue's neck, some kind of necklace with chunky beads. I scratched my cheek, thinking. Was it some kind of strange, weird art exhibit? And I asked Jonas what he thought about it, and he told me, disparagingly and frustratingly, that it just didn't make any sense. He was right. Who the hell does an art exhibit on a barely used hiking trail? I saw him shove his hands in his pockets, seemingly recovered. But I didn't miss how he kept staring at the statue like it was a bomb. He had a point, but I still rolled my eyes. I asked him if he had any better idea to justify it. I mean, he had a point, but I still rolled my eyes. I asked him again if he had any better idea just to justify this, but all he said was whatever. And he pretty much said that we could just ignore it and go around it for the time being. It was just a statue in the middle of nowhere. Nothing to get my panties in a bunch. We did, and for a few minutes, the most exciting thing that happened was a grackle flying overhead. The trail widened further, taking us into the woods and away from the gorge, but still close enough that we could hear the rushing water. To try to break the sullen silence and extend an olive branch as we walked in the tree's shade, I started asking him about how his last date turned out. I was trying to de-stress us, not make us feel worse. I mean, sure, the statue was weird and a little out there, but I had no idea why it had startled him so bad. He bit his lip and told me, Liam, I didn't go. I was a bit taken aback. He then explained that the first date was okay. That he kept it together, but that he was cracking. That he didn't know if he was cut out for college. And of course, the money was an issue. He trailed off, but he didn't seem to elaborate. Ever since his surprise baby sister had been born, things had been real tight with his family. I mean, he loved Mary to death, playing with her every time he was home. But his parents were frantically paddling to keep both of their children financially afloat. I tripped and cursed, having just whacked my shin into something hard. And then I looked down. It was a stone hand sticking out of the ground. There was two of them. There was another one next to it a foot or so away. I forced myself to calm down. Hell, maybe I was seeing things. And Jonas stepped over carefully. Deliberately, his eyes locked on them. Looking at his face was all the confirmation that I needed. Someone had an absolute shit sense of humor, or was bored as all hell. Plus, this trail barely had anyone walking it, and when the prank happens, it's likely the prankster doesn't even get to see it. I looked around for some hidden cameras. Jonas did the same. Makes more sense than my art exhibit theory. Whoever the prankster was, I hope we didn't meet them. They had rotten vibes and seemed like a real creep. We came out of the wooded section to a more open part of the trail. 
facing a bridge across the gorge with the water rushing below, and there were three more statues waiting for us. These were posed like they were attacking each other, one tearing at another's face, one kicking at another's leg. Jonas moved slower than ever. Maybe he was tired. I felt a bit bad for dragging him along, especially how weird things were getting, but I sure as hell didn't want to be here alone. He also seemed a bit stiffer, moving like he had arthritis or something. I knew his mom had it, but he was kind of young for that. His expression was more curious this time than alarmed, and Jonas walked right up to the trio, and I did the same. One had a hand broken off, and as I looked inside, well, I had to turn away and try not to retch. If this was someone's idea of a prank, they needed serious psychological help. Jonas confirmed quietly. There were bones and veins and muscles. And clay? Well, God, I had hoped it was clay. It didn't look like skin or actual tendons and flesh or whatever. But the bone was incredibly well done. Our prankster was an artist for sure, but I could go without such a gory display during a supposedly relaxing hike. It was really messed up. So I nodded at Jonas. Couldn't even speak. This had become beyond bizarre. But with how far we'd gotten, it'd be a shorter trip to the end of the path than to try to go back where we'd come in. Jonas and I went around the three statues, giving them as wide of a berth as we could. I focused on the bridge and its rusty railings, on the water below, just trying to calm my breathing. We'd get out of here, have a great story to tell when we came back to the dorms, and in a week or two we'd just be able to laugh it off. But Jonas had stopped in the middle of the bridge. I looked at him impatiently. I couldn't squeeze around him easily. It was too narrow for that especially wearing my backpack, and I didn't want to get tetanus if I accidentally cut myself on the railing. I had my shot, but you just never know. That girl, Jonas started, and I replied with a slight, yeah, in a tone that clarified that I just wanted him to get on with it. He told me that the first statue we saw, he had seen before, that the girl had invited him out here. The girl that he went on a first date with, but bailed on the second. I don't know where he was going with that, but I just kept listening. He said that the first statue was wearing her necklace. He said he remembered because he watched her play with it the whole time during their first date when they talked about her family and her future. It was one of the things that turned him off because he didn't see himself having a future. Jonas started talking about how he felt like he was stuck and that his baby sister would have had the chance to do better than he ever could. Saying all this while we're stuck on a shabby rusted bridge felt like a suicide note to me and I felt the blood drain from my body. What the hell? I knew he struggled with college, worried about money, but what the hell was all this? He sounded depressed. He also kind of sounded insane, but at least explained why the first statue had gotten him so rattled. Now I knew I had to do something, so I walked closer. I put a hand on his shoulder to reassure him. 
told him to listen to himself, and I chuckled loosely. People don't just turn to stone and haunt random mountain trails. That it was a shitty coincidence, that's all. I also told him I understood why he was so upset. I wasn't shaming or blaming him, but that these statues were just the work of some gross old weirdo prankster artist with a terrible sense of humor. And that was all, and that we were lucky we haven't run into them instead. Then I said we should just get across the bridge and that once we're back at the campus, I'd help him find a therapist. That I didn't want him wasting away or letting all this weight weigh him down inside. He grabbed my hand and yanked. I screamed as he broke one of my bones and I stumbled back. I saw white as a searing pain coursed through my forearm and then I met his eyes. They were starting to... No, it wasn't just the light. Piece by piece in front of my eyes, they began to turn to grey-brown stone. I panted and backed up as far as I could while my hand was on fire from the pain. Luckily, he wasn't moving fast. If anything, he was even slower. He told me I didn't get it. Even his voice started to sound like stones grinding together, like gravel being stepped on. He repeated it. I never got it. Everything was fine for me. Liam, everything has always been fine. And he kept repeating it. Well, I didn't feel fine at that moment. I screamed at him to tell me what the hell was happening with him. He didn't respond, just kept coming for me as I kept backing up. I made it off the other side of the bridge, my eyes never leaving him. My heart pounded. Okay, he was slow. I had to make sure my hand would be fine, but I could make it out of here before him. And maybe, maybe he'd become stuck in place like those other statues were. I turned around to see two more statues making their slow way from deeper in the trees on my side as I heard Jonas thudding towards me. I hissed in pain and frustration. I cut through the trees, trying to ignore their gaze, trying not to think about my own finger bones puncturing my skin and leaving an easily tracked trail behind me. I stayed as quiet as I possibly could, avoiding twigs on the ground, brushing against bushes, so that they didn't move. I couldn't see or hear my pursuers anymore, but I knew damn well that didn't mean I was... And then all of a sudden... A statue, only its head, chest, and arms showing, was trying to pull itself from the ground a few feet in front of me. It looked like it had been a man, but this one was far more worn than the others, so it was hard to tell. I ran around it, keeping an eye on it the whole time. Just because some were slow didn't mean they all were. But this one did seem pretty run down and it turned its head to look at me. And then, in a sad little whimper, it called me a poor boy, and then, in an even harsher and higher voice than Jonas's, it called me a coward for abandoning him. I ignored it and kept running. No shit, I was abandoning him. The head kept talking, telling me I had little reason to go back, and that I was already trapped. 
you know, nights of studying, of trying to make sure I kept that scholarship money, of smiling and trying to set Jonas up on dates because God knows I had no time for them myself. God knows the only thing I had time to talk or even think about was class. But no, he, it, was trying to distract me. I had to keep moving. I kept running, but the pain in my hand was getting worse. Jonas had shattered it in several places. Who knew if it would even heal? I mean, could I even write essays or papers or take notes anymore? What would I do if I couldn't keep that funding? What could I do if I didn't graduate in four years? And then, what about the hospital bills? I began to feel heavy and stiff too. Then I gritted my teeth and I felt just plain angry. I refused. I straight up refused. I would not give in as Jonas had. I put one foot in front of the other, even though I ached to step down. One step, another step. It helped, but I could still feel my pace slowing. Was it only the pain and exhaustion? The stony slope going upward. I kept looking over myself. My skin was still soft, still human. The blood dripping from me was reassuring, and I could hear them catching up to me. I looked around and saw some loose rocks. I gathered them with my good hand, took a few steps back and through. I aimed directly for their eyes, for their mouths. This time I barely missed, but it wasn't doing anything. They were still getting closer, and I was almost spent. I looked down. We were near the water again. There was a little ledge below a break in the rusty railing, just wide enough for me to stand on, just shallow enough of a drop that it wouldn't hurt my knees if I slid down there, assuming I didn't fall into the drink below. It was insane, but what did I have to lose? I stuffed some stones in my backpack as quickly as I could. Thankfully, Jonas had been carrying the one with the most heavy stuff, Mine just had a few snacks and emergency supplies. I hurried down and stood at the ledge with trembling arms and legs, painfully, carefully, almost agonizingly slow. They'd be here soon, and I had to get ready. The statues walked into sight, following my blood trail, getting closer. But I had a different target, as they narrowed the distance to the edge in me, and to that drop. I aimed the stones at their feet, threw them under, on top, tripped them, knocked them into each other. They fell, they didn't have good balance. They were heavy, clumsy, looking at me with stone gazes as they dropped into the waters below. And yet, they didn't look angry. They looked sad. They all seemed as depressed as Jonas had been. However... He wasn't one of the ones who had fallen. I wondered if they would lay in the water forever, broken, eventually worn away by the current, never to be found, never to be mourned. I told myself it didn't matter. I had to get up and get out of there, no matter how much it hurt. I did, though I had to leave my backpack behind. I had used it to boost myself up, shaking and aching all over. I dragged myself to the other entrance of the park and borrowed someone's phone to call the hospital. I didn't realize at the time that my blood was starting to feel different. 
as I slept after the surgery on my hand. I didn't notice how completely exhausted I felt, but why would I think it was unusual? Why wouldn't I be weighed down by what I'd seen? <laughs>